0: Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this a bit more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world.
1: The garbage will do! Nothing will stand in our way. May the void be with us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Twin Sons Transmission. My name's Eric Pfeiffer, joined, as always, by Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode 152. We are going to be talking about the brand-new live-action TV show from Lucasfilm and Disney, available now on Disney+ known as The Mandalorian. We're going to be talking about the first episode, which aired this past Tuesday, the 12th, which was the launch day of Disney+, and we got our first episode 39 minutes of fantasticness of The Mandalorian. Jesse, I mean, this is just everything that we wanted, I feel like.
0: It's 100% everything that we wanted. I just, I feel like, I don't know, I'm just so excited for it. I, you know, I love everything about Star Wars. I love all of Star Wars, but this just like feels like it feels like how I felt when I started watching the Clone Wars, you know, because I always liked Star Wars, but I was not always obsessed with Star Wars until I started watching the Clone Wars. And then I became obsessed with Star Wars. And I started to fall in love with Star Wars. And this just feels like it's like another one of those series like the Clone Wars that is going to pull people in. Like the Clone Wars did for me. Yeah. Like it just feels special.
1: Yeah. I agree. And I think when you get fantastic minds like Dave Filoni and John Favreau working together to create something that, one, Dave Filoni's been working on for years, and two, Favreau's a fantastic director, but he's also a fan. And he's been in the Star Wars universe for a while, too, voicing characters and doing things, so... I think you get them together and it's really going to create something special so i'm very excited for what we are going to be getting in the rest of this the rest of this series and by the time this airs we'll have episode two out so we'll be talking about that on our next episode but let's let's start talking about this juicy show. We get a lot of great stuff. Let's talk about the Mandalorian himself first and foremost as a character and I think Mandalorian's you know, they've been popular for a long time. And really, Boba Fett is the reason for that. we He's got really cool armor. He's got a lot of weapons. He's got a jetpack. He just looks cool. He's that character that stands in the corner, gives you a nod, and you have goosebumps, you know? Like, it's just, <laughs> that's the type of effect that that character has on you. And I think it's interesting And in the, you know, the, some of the very first scenes of the show is literally just like the door opens and there's like a gust of wind and his cape is like flying in the air with the music on in like this bar and you are instantly hooked. Like, I don't know about you, but I was like, okay, I'm going to sit up. I'm going to like watch this. I'm so excited. Like my phone was put away. It was just all eyes focused on the Mandalorian as himself.
0: It was such an entrance. And you mentioned that music That music, it was just so striking. And then I realized that it is, it's basically the Star Wars version of like a cowboy walking into the bar. Yeah. You know, like that, I'm not gonna try to recreate the sound. But like you you know that tune. Like everybody knows that tune from like old westerns where the cowboy walks in, he kicks open the door, and there's that, like, it's that exact same, like, I'm I'm not gonna do the sound.
1: (laughs) But like you guys
0: all have it in your head, like you can hear it. It's it's the Star Wars version of that. It was so cool.
1: This had a lot of you know, cowboy elements into it and we'll get into that a little bit later, but we get to see him in action right away. You know, he's throwing people's heads into the counters, he's you know, that, that, that iconic scene of him pulling the Quarren through the door as it closes on him. You know, that's in the first couple minutes of the show and it really captures people. You know, we, we see him in action bounty hunting. And that's what he's good at. And, you know, obviously, as we continue on, we get his Razor Crest vehicle and we see all the characters that are all the all the bounties that he's acquired frozen in carbonite, which I thought was a really cool, you know, feature to the show. And he's ruthless. You know, he's like, I can take you warm or I can take you cold. (laughs) You know, he's he's got that he's got that air about him, that confidence you know and he he seems like like a boba fett like a cad bane like that bounty hunter that you really just don't want to come across
0: yeah it's like that that guy that's got nothing to lose and he knows he's good
1: yep yeah for sure so you know as as the episode goes on we we get some really cool creatures we get that big like walrus thing on the ice planet, which was crazy. (laughs) And I think that's really kind of something that is iconic in Star Wars and just necessary in Star Wars is the creatures. Yeah. And I think it was cool in the first couple minutes we see a big giant creature.
0: And it just also looked like, I don't know, the effects in this show have already made me feel like they've melded somewhere in between it looks really real and it looks really good. But there's also something like very cool and original like Star Wars puppety look to it. I don't know how to describe it, but it's it's very much reminded me of the originals, except just like the way the creatures were and the way they moved, except like they just look so real now. But it's still somehow held on and made me like very much of the original trilogy whenever I saw a creature.
1: Yeah. And we get a lot of the same species that we got from the original series. And, you know, the original six, we get Rodians um, and other creatures that, you know, we hadn't really seen too much of in the sequel trilogy as of now. So I think that helps to really kind of bring you back to the original um, series. And I, I've seen a lot of people say you know, this really had that original star wars feel to it and um for a lot of fans out there that makes or breaks it for you you know
0: Mm-hmm. yep
1: so i think it's it's cool that you know they're using that to kind of bring bring back other fans let's talk a little bit about the guild So, in Legends, there's the Bounty Hunters Guild that Boba Fett was in, Bosk was in, and it's sort of like this group of bounty hunters that worked to collect these bounties, and as we see with IG-11 later on, they're sometimes after the same bounties, but they work together, but they're kind of in competition, and it's led by this guy named Grief Karga, who's the head of the guild, and um, this was actually one of the scenes that we saw at Celebration, in chicago this past year they showed us a clip of a scene of the mandalorian talking to griff karga and um so essentially it seemed like to me that the mandalorian would take any job given to him and it didn't matter how dangerous it was what the pay was he was going to take all of the whatever they called those like the
0: the pucks
1: yeah The the pucks So it seemed like there wasn't enough work for him in the guild, you know? Like, he was capturing his bounties and doing things so fast and so well that, to me, it's almost like, why is he even in the guild?
0: That's true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it seemed like he, you know, just kind of was like, has to be their main player, has to be their best guy they've got.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, they say that the business is busy except people don't want to pay the price that it would cost to hire someone from the guild, right? Isn't that kind of the idea?
0: I thought maybe just he was expensive, particularly on his own.
1: Mhm. I don't know. Yeah, could be. I don't know. But uh, what would you think of like this guild leader Griff Karga or Grief Karga and his relationship to the Mandalorian and how they work?
0: You know, I don't know. I mean, I feel like he's still pretty mysterious. I thought it was cool that he had some Calamari, Mon Calamari uh, currency. Yeah. That was pretty neat. But yeah, he, he just, I mean, he seems like he's, you know, the guy that's in the middle and he's got all these crazy bounty hunters that he's got to keep happy. Mm-hmm. He's got to figure out how to keep all these like ruthless people from like uproaring on him.
1: Yeah, I feel like that would be like the worst job ever.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. Cuz every single one of them is out for themselves even if they're part of like a guild. That's just like like a common bounty hunter thing.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, as time goes on, we're going to get a little bit more from him and and he might potentially become a problem for the Mandalorian, but we'll see we'll see how that goes. I was a little confused on some of the names for some of these characters, and um, I went on to IMDB, and the one character that is played by, oh, his name is Werner Herzog. That's the guy that I'm thinking of, Werner Herzog. He's like, don't you agree in the trailer? According to IMDB, he plays the client. That's his name, the client. That's all that's provided for him. I think he's very intriguing did you did you see what he was wearing?
0: Yeah, that's an imperial metal, right?
1: Yeah I don't know if it's like a necklace or metal or I don't know what it is or like what the design is but then when he gives the Mandalorian his best car, he's got the imperial symbol on it. We've got the stormtroopers in the area and so we get from the Mandalorian in the scene prior when he's talking to grief Karga, um, the empire's dead, and you know the currency is unacceptable. But then, like in the next scene, we have all of these uh, these imperial touches to the scene.
0: Yeah, I have so many questions about this guy. I number one, I love his voice; it's awesome. Yeah. Um, but I yeah, him wearing that imperial medal, and then I just it just got me wondering about you know these stormtroopers and like are they real, you know, ex stormtroopers or are they just like dudes that stole tro- stormtrooper armor at this point um like is he part of the empire or was he part of the empire yeah and then he has like he seems like he's also a mandalorian supporter you know and i don't know if those two things kind of like coincide at this he, point in time
1: there's something that he said and i should have wrote it down the exact Thing that he said, but he's talking about getting Beskar back with the Mandalorian. But-
0: yeah, I wrote it down. He says, he said, Beskar belongs back in the hands of the Mandalorian. He specifically says the Mandalorian, which I thought was interesting instead of like a random Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, he said, it belongs back in the hands of the Mandalorian. It is good to restore the natural order of things after so much disarray. Don't you agree?
1: Yeah. But see, that second part to me, with the Imperial stormtroopers around, with the Imperial medal, and with the Imperial symbol on the Beskar, almost to me makes it sound like the second half is kind of referring to the Order of the Empire. Because like, the First Order is not around at this point. They're not
0: mm-hmm. around.
1: So to him, and you know, looking at his age, and he lived through the Galactic Civil War, Maybe to him the natural order of things is having the empire and while he's he's referring to the Beskar being with the Mandalorian, I think there might be a like a secondary motive there or like secondary thing that he's implying.
0: I feel like I I was thinking that may he could have been referring to like like the Mandalorians, like way back, you know, before You know, they even became like way back before like Clone Wars times like Mm -hmm. before they became this like peaceful planet or whatever You know, they were like a war like warrior race. Like maybe he's like Referring back to like way back then because by the time we see them in the Clone Wars, you know, they're already very peaceful You know, that's like what their government is at the time at least Yeah, And it starts like falling back into that like warrior thing as time goes on and as we get closer and closer to the Empire We start seeing all these like warrior clans so maybe he's, like, like, referring to, like, restoring the natural order of, like, the way they originated, which I know is a lot in the ex- Expanded Universe, which I know nothing about. I've never read any of the Expanded Universe um, books or anything, but I know that that was, you know, there's a there's there's a lot of series about the Mandalorians, right? And that was one of the series that people were really upset yeah. about becoming legends.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. Well, let's, let's go into this, and then we'll come back to something else that happened in the scene with the client so the Beskar and we'll go into that that scene following him getting the Beskar and the Mandalorian culture and we get a little bit of this in Clone Wars right where you know the the Mandalorian we knew about their warrior past we in Rebels I think it was Fen Rao who's like where'd you get that armor to Sabine and she's like I forged this armor with my own hands and it's been in my family for you know centuries or whatever there's a lot of meaning and 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 honor that goes into creating the armor and a lot of culture that goes into these characters and from what we see in this episode he gets that little segment of beskar which is then turned into a pauldron a, a shoulder bell and you know it's like super strong metal, Beskar Steel. I mean, that's something that is uh, a term that was originally created in Legends, and they've brought it into canon. And these Mandalorians almost view their armor as... A part of them, like 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 it, it's more than just uh, armor. It's more than just an outfit. It's who they are. It's you know their blood, sweat, and tears were sort of uh, created with this. And while we see in this episode the Mandalorian himself didn't actually take the hammer to the piece of metal, you know I think a lot of times historically the Mandalorians themselves actually created their own armor. But it, it was almost like there was like a like a blacksmith that was part of this Mandalorian clan on whatever planet this was that was there specifically to help these Mandalorians create their armor. We see the steel Mythosaur skull uh, sort of like on the overhang, and everybody in there had their helmets on, and that's another thing too. Kuil, Kuil I think his name is. I don't know how to pronounce it yet. Um,
0: yeah, mean neither
1: but you know we see him later on when the mandalorian keeps falling off the blurb he's like well maybe if you took your helmet off and he totally ignores that like he keeps his helmet on that's who he is (laughs) that's him you know it's not a helmet it's part of him so i think we get you know we get a lot of of history here and they're pulling some things from legends but then again this is a brand new thing bits and pieces will be taken but it's not going to be everything that we knew before
0: yeah and part going back to the armorer she says something to him that it doesn't make sense to me but i don't know if it if it makes sense to you from legends she asks him if his signet has been revealed
1: yeah i don't know what that is
0: okay i was really interested about that
1: yeah i wasn't sure if that was a word that i just didn't know or like what that i mean is that
0: So I googled the word, but it's still, you know, how in fantasy, you know, people will take words and, and, you know, twist them to make them their own part of their own language of their own story. So I don't know how close to the definition this actually means for the story, but sing it, singlet, singlet, no, sing it. It was a sing it. It's a small seal, especially one set in a ring, used... Instead of, or with a signature, to give office, office, into, I can talk. Authenticity. Can yep. <laughs> to an official document. So like, but like the little metal thing you would press in wax kind of like a, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So like, I wonder if that's like a specific thing that goes into Mandalorian armor. Like so they have some kind of like symbol or seal that like.
1: It's like an imprint is, almost like. uh Yeah. Interesting. I
0: don't know.
1: I don't know if the fact that, like, the Imperial symbol was, like, imprinted into that piece of Beskar.
0: The way I saw that was the Empire kind of, like, stole that, you know?
1: And put their symbol on it?
0: Yeah, and, like, melted it down, put their symbol on it, and then they, you know, they just reclaimed it. They remelted it down and made it into what it's intended for.
1: Yeah. Mandalorians have always been mysterious. They've always been warriors and worked as... Clans and that's been important to them. They've always been good with weapons So I think the clan that we see in this episode will get more attention He's gonna go back there to You know, especially if he's continues to be successful He'll continue to go back there and get more armor forged and I think by the end of I don't know about season one, but uh, you know at least as the story continues his armor is going to look totally different from the way it does now.
0: Yeah. I was thinking that too. I think his helmet is already made out of. Yeah. um, Beskar, right?
1: Yeah. And at the beginning, I don't know. So there, the one dude who told the Mandalorian that he spilled his drink and then he said something about, Oh, is that actually Beskar? And then he like scratched his chest plate or whatever. I'm assuming that was to show us that it wasn't Beskar because it scratched. Right. Yeah. And therefore, you know, the rest of his armor will become silver over time and maybe he'll paint it to be different colors. I don't know. Yeah. But if you notice in that scene, the drink fell over before the Mandalorian even walked in the room.
0: (laughs) I didn't notice.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He like stands up to like stab the dude in the eye or whatever. And the drink falls because he hits the table. And then the Mandalorian walks in the door and says he spilled his drink. (laughs) He's trying to
0: stir the pot. (laughs) Yeah.
1: All right, well, let's go back to that scene with the client. So we're also introduced to a character named Dr. Pershing. And they're after this asset, right? And so they have this conversation with the Mandalorian about this asset. And there's no puck for it. And it's a 50-year-old asset. And... I saw someone post today. It was something that was on one of the other fan sites about the shoulder of Dr. Pershing. Did you see this and what the patch was on the shoulder?
0: Nope.
1: So I watched it again and it's really hard to see. There's only, like, you can see that he's got, like, a patch on his shoulder, but you can't really tell what it is. But someone posted it and it's like the. It's like the symbol in episode 2 that the clones had on their, like, training uniforms almost. Like, not their actual Mm -hmm. armor parts, but, like, their, you know, red long-sleeve training shirts that we see them wearing while they're eating in the mess hall. So that makes me think, like, we've got this guy here, the client, that seems to be either a previous member of the Empire or someone who's definitely a supporter... And then we have this person that has a symbol that at least is somewhat associated with either Kamino or clones, maybe. So okay. given that they're after the asset that we know what it is and we'll, we'll, let's just bring it up now. So it's a baby of Yoda's species who's 50 years old. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> my, my notes have been calling him Yoda baby. Yoda baby. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing, and I feel like a lot of people got a little confused with the timeline, because we've seen two members of that species in canon. That species has been re- represented in the Old Republic video games and things like that, but as far as we know, Yoda and Yaddle are the only members of that species that we've ever seen, and that's it. So this is not Yoda. This is... The Mandalorian takes place five years after Return of the Jedi, and Yoda died in Return of the Jedi, so this is just uh, another member of that species. Do you think, based off of the two other characters of that species that we've been given so far, given that they're Force-sensitive, was it your impression that this Yoda baby is Force-sensitive? Oh.
0: You know, I... I It would make sense, because it's kind of confusing as to why, you know, this baby is such a, has such a big bounty on its head. Like, why is a little Yoda baby? Right. Why is he so wanted? So maybe they're, like, all Force-sensitive. They're, like, such a rare race, We know nothing about them. Like, maybe that's just, like, that's, like, their thing.
1: Yeah. And I was thinking about it, too, like... No wonder the species is so rare. Like, the parents would have to give that little baby bottles for 50 years, you know? Like, 50 years, <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, 50 year. Fifty years is like a drop in a hat for them, I guess. Yeah. You know?
1: I, but, I mean, Yoda died when he was 900 years old of old right. age. Of old age. So, if you're 50 and you're a baby, I don't know what, like, the rate of growth is compared to humans. I'd have to do that math. I don't know. but. Yeah. I mean, fifty and you're still that young, I mean, maybe once they hit a certain point and they accelerate in their aging, I'm not sure. But maybe given the people who are after this baby, I think to me that means it's gonna be force sensitive. You know Yeah,
0: or like because of their rarity, like they're trying to do like experiments on it. But like I just don't understand even if that was the case and it was just like they were just like studying it. Like, I don't see why it would be, like, a dead or alive, like, bounty over it.
1: Right. Well, because they wanted it alive. And then the client was like, yeah, but if you provide proof of termination, that's also acceptable at a lower fee. And then the doctor was like, well, that we didn't discuss that. That's not what we agreed on or whatever. So clearly the doctor, it's a doctor, might want to study it like we talked about or like you said or maybe you know with the empire they have history of wanting force sensitive younglings or babies for being inquisitors and we know i mean for the most part the empire has gone but clearly there are remnants of the empire still around so mm-hmm. maybe that's something that they're after maybe if this cloning thing's true maybe they want to clone it if that's possible i don't know i don't know i literally have no idea There's just so many options surrounding this thing. But yeah. And
0: somebody wants him dead, right? Because I G eleven, his instructions were to kill it. Yep. So there's somebody else who wants him dead.
1: Yeah. And it seems like I don't know if this was a just a business move by shooting by the Mandalorian shooting IG eleven. That could have been a business move, but it seems like he's already almost like, I don't I don't want to say entranced, but sort of, I mean, he's staring at this thing for a long time. And then at the end of the episode, yeah. he like moves his hand out and almost like has a finger like he's going to point or like want to touch it. And then Yoda baby also is like reaching its hand out too, you know?
0: Yeah. It's literally like the sweetest thing. I've had that image like imprinted on the back of my mind all day. It's Yeah, like, they had, like, a little, like, connection. Like, he didn't want to... He just didn't... He couldn't... He didn't want to kill it.
1: Yeah. So, do you think he'll turn it in? I mean, that would be something that I worry about in the next episode. It's almost like that scene in, um... Clone Wars, where Boba Fett and Bosk and High C and Latsrazi and Dengar, and they're all working together to get this prize for that one dude, and it turns out that they stole the girl who he wanted to marry from the other people. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm, about? Mm-hmm, on yep. the the train episode, yeah. And it's like they didn't realize what they were taking, um, right? And so I'm wondering if when the Mandalorian finds this Yoda baby that knowing what he knows and and I don't know if he's familiar with this species or anything, but will he take this back to the client?
0: I feel, like, I feel like he's definitely not familiar with this species, especially saying, you know, he was being shocked that he's like, what do you mean this thing is, like it says it's supposed to be 50 years old. Yeah. And it had to be IG-11 that says like, well, they all... Other species age at different rates, so like, yeah. I wonder if like, a him having just like human empathy, because like even like the worst people, you know, have he- human empathy most of the time. Um, and, and it's not he's not the worst guy. We there's he's not done anything that would make him seem like the worst. Besides maybe like chop somebody in half in the first scene, <laughs> but like warranted. I don't know. They were attacking him, but whatever. (laughs) But, like, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, you see a baby, and that's just, like, not what you signed up for when you're a bounty hunter. Yeah. You didn't sign up to, like, kill kids, you know? That kid's older than me. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. He's probably confused and conflicted and, like, intrigued. And then it seems, like, so, like, alert and aware, and it, like, you know, pulls its own little blanket down. So, I don't know, I feel like, I don't think he'll go straight to the client with him. I think I I was struck by the moment when when Dr. Uh, Pershing, you know, he, like, interjected himself, like we were talking about earlier, and he was like, that's not what we agreed upon when, you know, when the client was saying that he could come back dead for half the price. And he, the Mandalorian, like, looks up at Dr. Pershing, like, Like, you know, like obviously he has no facial expressions, but like Pedro Pascal is doing a fantastic job of acting without facial expressions, just with his body language and his voice, fantastic performance already. But like, I already felt like just that little like moment of him, like stopping, focusing on the client and looking up at Dr. Pershing, like he like kind of like had like a moment of like empathy with him. And and, you know, this is me all reading, there's literally no (laughs) facial expressions to read, but like the how I read that moment was like he looked at that guy I'm like, oh, this person, you know, cares about you know, somebody cares about the bounty that I'm going after right now. Yeah. You know? He got to look into that guy's eyes and see that there's another person out there that, that cares for this Yoda baby.
1: Yeah. Well despite not being able to see facial expressions, body language still is apparent. It's everything. So, yeah. I find it interesting that this Yoda baby was very carefully secretively stuck in a pod that was covered up with something that was just an everyday item. I mean, it looked like a piece of junk, you know. This was right. a very well-hidden baby. That's not something that I would even like if I was going through rummaging through looking for even if even if I was looking for a baby, I don't even know if I would think to like, hey, this might be a pot, I'll take this cloth off and open it up. And (laughs) granted, they had like a little like tracker thing. But still, I mean, it was a it was a well hidden, it was a well hidden asset. So whoever's trying to hide this thing, whoever got it, I don't know who they are. But I think that'll play a key part. Also, knowing that the species is rare, the species is unknown, the species we don't know the planet of origin, so we'll see.
0: And they had like a whole army protecting it. You know, they could have hit it. Like you said it's like a so unassuming un uh, it's, it's unassuming. You don't you wouldn't know that there's anything in there. They could have just hit it somewhere in the Yeah. In like a hut with right. like one person watching after, it. but they had like a whole army.
1: Yeah. And Speaking of whole army, it literally took two bounty hunters to take out this army. And let's talk a little bit about IG-11. So IG-11, we see walking through, and this is, I feel like, everybody's... ...idea of what the assassin droid IG-88 would have been like had we seen had, we had seen him in action. This dude was like swiveling around, his legs were doing like <laughs> weird turns and yeah. literally just like arms out, front, back, up, back, everywhere, you know, yes. turn, just taking people out. Like, it was so much fun to watch. It was like, it almost had the same feeling as watching Vader at the end of Rogue One just take dudes down. It had yeah. like the same feeling for me.
0: No, I agree. That was that was so cool and I was surprised at first because you know, the Mandalorian right from the get-go says no droids when that first yeah. speeder comes to pick him up. And then he gets on the side of IG eighty eight pretty quickly. And he just like already had that like he had that personality. So I was kind of like surprised that he gets shot in the head at the end but I was already like so attached to him like he had like perfect like new droid personality to be like an iconic droid that could make it through the whole series. Yeah. Because he was just so funny. He kept trying to like self-destruct the whole time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you going to you going to be okay? Yes. You know, like, he's just like, yeah, he's he's funny. The droids always provide that comic relief. But here's my question to you about IG-11. So I didn't pick up on that, what you just said about no droids. And then, you know, at the end, they're working together. I thought that was a a really cool thing that you picked up on. So IG-11 made a comment about how he's not to be captured, and mm-hmm. that he would need to self-destruct if the situation was you know, into that point where he felt like he'd be captured. So the Mandalorian just shoots him in the head. And I don't know where his primary like circuit was, because he gets shot from oh. he gets shot from the the army, we'll call them, and he's like, Yeah, it missed my circuit or whatever, and then the Mandalorian shoots him in the head and he falls over. So one, he doesn't self-destruct. Two, I don't know where his primary circuit is, and I don't know where he got shot from the army. Did you see, like, where where was his blaster shot when the Mandalorian felt, says, are you okay?
0: I felt like it was, like, his, like, like shoulder or, like, his side just right. from the way he got hit.
1: Okay, so maybe his primary circuit or whatever it is is in his head, and he is gone. I don't know, but do you think... Do you think IG 88 is, or IG 11 is literally just in that one episode and that's it? I mean, that's all the footage we've seen from him in the I trailers, I believe. So he could be totally gone forever. But, but he
0: had his own poster. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I'm stuck. Yeah. He had his own poster. Uh, Kuil had his own poster that made me feel like they were going to make it through. Like, I don't know. I mean, we've seen our two go through some pretty crazy stuff and get banged up pretty good and you know get rebuilt but I don't know if we've ever seen anyone come any droid come back with like a headshot because whenever we see like droids getting you know like hooked up so somebody can like look up their memory and see where you know they've been and where they came from and try to get intel it's always they're always like hooking up their head. Like, their head seems like that's, like, what matters yeah. the most.
1: Well, C-3PO got blasted into a million pieces. Chewbacca had to put his head back on, so... But his
0: head wasn't blown up. Like, you know, yeah. like, he didn't have, like, a shot through it. It just, like, came off, and then they just, like, put it back on. Put it on. back on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I really thought he was super cool in this episode, so I hope they keep him in there. Me but, too. Yeah. No Cara Dune yet. No Cara Dune in the first episode. Oh. Which I'm looking forward to seeing her. I think she's going to be really cool.
0: I want to talk a little bit about the Mandalorian and um, the Armorer talking about foundlings. Okay. Because when she's making his shoulder piece, Mm -hmm. she tells him that he's very generous and that the extra, the word is escaping me. Beskar? Uh, Beskar. The extra Beskar is going to help support many foundlings. Mm -hmm. And then the Mandalorian said, I was once a foundling. And that's when all those flashbacks start. Yeah. Uh, So I was really curious to see what you thought those flashbacks were, like what's happening there.
1: I think anytime you have somebody that's jaded and, you know, the strong silent type, not always, but, you know, you you have the Mandalorian that literally ignores most people's comments toward him you know you have the the one asset the guy with the blue face at the beginning that literally is like asking him questions and asking him about certain things and he is silent he doesn't do anything and then earlier we have the guy that said he spilled his drink asking him about things he just fights first and you know punches second and then talks third (laughs) so i think this guy the mandalorian went through hell when he was a kid and i think it's really turned him into what he is today the word foundling and what that means is a part of the Mandalorian culture. I'm not sure. I don't know exactly what that is. I don't know. I mean, foundling, does that mean they found him? Or... I mean he seemed
0: to have like gotten like left and like closed up and like hidden away, kind of like how Jin was, like to yeah. be like kept safe. So yeah. maybe like he's like kind of like an orphaned Mandalorian
1: Yeah. So I think that's really going to, you know, maybe that's why he doesn't have Beskar. Maybe that's why his armor is sort of like a hodgepodge. I mean, he's got a, he's got a, at the beginning of the episode, he's got a shore trooper shoulder bell and it looks like he's almost got like a version of a storm thigh plate, like a thigh piece of armor that was painted brown. Like his armor is just literally like a hodgepodge of random stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe because he was not necessarily born on Mandalore with the, you know, access to Beskar from a young age, maybe that's why he looks like that. So maybe he was found and he was taken and he was raised in an, on another place. And I don't know, but the way that they say foundling means like there's a bunch of them. Like it, it's like,
0: yeah,
1: so it's not like he's the only one around you know but because he was a foundling i feel like he is more sensitive to whatever issue they have as foundlings
0: right because we know mandalore has gone through a lot you know a lot of people or or a lot of kids were orphaned at like the time like that maybe those flashbacks were like showing a time of like the fall of mandalore like maybe after you know Satine's reign you know has fallen and things went kind of into chaos Mm -hmm. um for a while You know, I wonder if that's, like, kind of, like, that moment that we're looking at. Yeah. It's, like, the fall of Mandalorian. Like, he's what's been left behind.
1: Well, the other thing, too, is if you think about Mandalorian culture and how they live their lives, I mean, they're constantly fighting. So people are going to die, especially when you challenge someone to a fight. Like, we've seen Sabine in Rebels challenge people, challenge Fen Rau, challenge Gar Saxon, and they literally, like, fight until someone's dead, you know? Um, (sighs) Yeah. So I feel like there's a lot of parents that are probably dead, and yeah. which would make it easy for a lot of orphans to be around. So
0: I guess foundling would mean like you don't have a clan, like you're clanless, maybe.
1: Yeah, it could be. Let's talk a little bit about Kuil. Koo, Kuil. So. Kuil. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I have spoken. Um, <laughs> So he's an interesting character. He seems like he's almost like a mentor in a way, showing him how to ride a blurg and picking him up when he's down, so to speak, and sort of riding with him and showing him the way and and helping him. Do you think that this is a character that we're going to see reoccur multiple times in this series?
0: I mean, I was expecting to originally because I mean I'm gonna go back to this again. But he has He's his on own a poster. poster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's got his own poster. Um, but it this episode didn't really leave me with that impression that he would be back again. He just seemed like he was in it to help him, you know, get baby Yoda or Yoda baby, and that he just kind of wanted the whole situation off his planet so that he could go back to living in peace. So I don't know.
1: Yeah. I, I mean merchandising is very tricky too. Mm-hmm. The the four Mandalorian pops that we got when they were re, uh, released on Force Friday were the Mandalorian, okay, definitely a main character, Cara Dune who was not in the first episode, but I have a feeling will probably be in multiple episodes and I'd be surprised if she wasn't in the second one to be honest and IG11 who got shot in the head. I don't know if he'll be back and Kuil who you know was in this episode but may not be in any more. So, I don't know. Maybe there's maybe there's more to read into as far as the merchandise. Maybe we're not done with the uh, you know the four characters that had pops on upon original release, but you know, we've been surprised a lot and I think that Lucasfilm does a fantastic job Uh, Keeping us guessing so we'll see.
0: He's a funny character. So I'd be happy to have him back I'm gonna start saying I have spoken like at work.
1: Yeah, I I (laughs) think I think I might have to start doing that too (laughs) He said it like three times. Yeah, it's pretty funny (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about um, the opening Jesse it's it's almost like a mini Marvel opening Yes. You know, where they have like the characters and it goes through different colors. I think that's really cool. And I'm glad they're doing that. I wonder if they'll start doing that for the movies now. Probably not. Right. Like
0: I, well, I wonder if that's like going to be like a Disney plus Star Wars thing. Yeah. Like that'll be like the opening credits of any, you know, any Star Wars related thing that's on Disney plus. I haven't gotten to watch any of the other things on there any of the movies or you know past clone wars episodes but i wonder if that is before yeah just for disney plus
1: i hope so it's pretty awesome the um the ending too had a bunch of artwork as the credits are going by and i i love the look of this show they've posted artwork on like on on social media i've seen artwork and it's like StarWars.com posted it. Check out this artwork of yada, yada, yada by this artist. And I'm like, oh, sweet. I keep thinking like I can buy it somewhere maybe or like, you know, <laughs> maybe you'll find it on a trading card or something. But I haven't seen anywhere to like get anything like that. So for now, it's all just online. But the the art and everything just looks fantastic for the show. So, you know, I, I like how they're taking more like Macquarie style look to the art.
0: Yeah, very those westerny end- too 100% and those like end credit like little like they almost looked like fully fledged like concept art that had just been like fleshed out and like made gorgeous like I want yeah. that stuff like on my wall it was like beautiful
1: <laughs> yeah All right, all in all, fantastic episode in my opinion. Like I said, 39 minutes, so, you know, around 40 minutes. I don't know how long the other episodes are going to be, if that's going to be a standard thing. If they'll be shorter, longer, not sure. But I'm very excited if the first episode is any sort of indication of how the rest of the show is going to be, I think we're all in for a, a good treat. And, you know, there was mixed reviews on The Last Jedi, whether that was your thing or not, that's not my place to say. But I feel like for the most part, a lot of people were in agreement that this was good. Um, yeah
0: if you were waiting on you know hearing the first reviews of this show before thinking about joining disney plus gosh like i I would if if i was literally just subscribing to this show alone i would say it was worth
1: (laughs) it yeah
0: (laughs) like do it it's so good already
1: Yep, and there's going to be so much more on there relating to Star Wars, The Cassian Show, Clone Wars comes out in February, Um, Resistance Season 2 I'm sure will be on there as well pretty soon, so there's going to be a ton of new stuff. Obviously the Kenobi series coming out uh, at some point, which will be great, and then of course we know that there's going to be a Season 2 for The Mandalorian as well, which is going to be awesome, so a ton of stuff to look forward to, but... Like I said, all in all, fantastic job, Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy, Dave Filoni, John Favreau, Ludwig Gorenson, the, uh, the composer, uh, fantastic job there. I feel like this entire series, everybody who worked on it so far has done a fantastic job. I cannot wait to continue with the story, and thank goodness the second episode is only a few days after the first one, because with that cliffhanger at the end... It's like that meme with that guy that was like doing drugs that's like scratching his neck he's like, hey Disney oh, you got you got yeah. any more of the Mandalorian episodes like that's how I feel right now you know like I yeah. cannot wait for the next one so
0: yeah as soon as like I-, I saw him reaching out his like finger towards Yoda baby I was like, oh no, oh no, it's ending I don't want it to end
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, it definitely did not feel like forty minutes of Star Wars so I love the name of the ship, the Razor Crest. I love that we got the Kubas in there, like that little meow, meow, meow guy um, <laughs> from uh, the same species as Garen Dan from episode four, the Imperial Spy. There's just so many things to watch and get used to. And I've seen it three times now, and I'm just like, I just want to repeatedly watch it. Yeah. Um, so much to look I'm
0: gonna, at. I'm going to fall asleep to it tonight, I
1: think. <laughs> nice yeah well it seems like jesse and i both give this a thumbs up and uh we'll we'll continue to have more uh shows talking about our thoughts on the episodes and what we think is going to happen as we continue on so look for more episodes next week as we continue to get more shows and of course we're going to be leading up to the rise of skywalker here pretty soon so got a lot of great content jesse before we go where can people find us on social media
0: You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the handle at Twinsons Outpost.
1: All right, and if you're looking to find us, uh, or if you're looking for places to listen to us, you can find us on our website, which is www.twinsonsoutpost.com. Click on the podcast tab on the left-hand side. You'll find all of our episodes there. You can also find us on the Star Wars Podcast app through the Google Play Store or on iTunes. For Eric and Jesse, thank you so much for listening to episode 152 of Twin Sons Transmission, where we talked about episode one of the new Disney Plus Star Wars series, The Mandalorian. We'll have more coming from this show as we continue to record shows through December, and uh, it's going to be very exciting. So once again, thanks so much for listening to us, and we'll see you next time. And as always, may the Force be with you. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Sons Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Sons Podcast Network. May the Force be with you always. Hail, Master Tatooine. It's controlled by the Hut. Right point on Halloween. This time you will night as